1: Well, hello again, everyone. This is Doug Thorpe and you're listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Today, we're gonna crack the lid on a uh, storytelling uh, situation. I get that request with a lot of my executive clients and business owners. They've read some articles, uh, read some books, and maybe even seen some YouTube uh, or, or TED Talk presentations about storytelling and they feel it's a part that's missing from their leadership toolkit. So uh, my guest today is someone who has made it a practice to help people in that area. His name is Tyler Foley. Tyler, welcome to the show.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: Yeah, I always like to start out by asking my guests to give us a little bit of a backstory. What's your journey been about and Why have you become inspired to do what you do with people?
0: Well, that's a great question, Doug. And to to answer it, we have to go back to the beginning. (laughs) And uh, for me, the beginning is six-year-old me and uh, starting on stage uh, professionally at six years old. So I was a child actor, um, got my first break working for a local theater company here. Uh, professionally as a a paid actor, as a unionized actor, and then moved on into film and television in my late teens, dabbled with some stunt work in my early 20s. And then like most people uh, who have had a career for 20 years, I retired at 25. (laughs) And uh, when I retired, the nice thing about being a child performer is the majority of your uh, revenue that you earn, your paycheck goes into trust. And so, my mother, being a very, very smart uh, and savvy woman when it comes to finances, particularly because she was uh, she worked in, in an accounting firm for most of her life, and then in her uh, twilight career became the payroll and benefits administrator for a, a private school here, uh, very close to where I live. And uh, so, she knew, you know, the value of locking the money away and not. Allowing me to access it when I was 18 or 21, which were options, uh, but making me wait till I was 25, which is probably the smartest thing that she could do. Because when I was 25, uh, I decided to go back to school, use that money for what it was originally intended for and uh, get uh, an education in secondary education. So I got an engineering discipline specialized in photogrammetry, which is a fancy, fancy way i saying I took pictures of the ground and then made maps out of them. So anybody who's ever turned on satellite view on Google Earth or Google Maps, I, I made those things. That's that's what I specialized in. And I created a mapping firm. And unfortunately, that business failed. We, we got about three years in and uh, uh, we were actually kind of ahead of the curve. I had moved into interior mobile mapping. So we were scanning with 3D lasers, the interior of structures and like putting uh, photo accurate depictions up on, like we were taking photographs and laying those on and geoplacing placing it. And it was really cool stuff. But I was also doing this in 2010, 2011, before people were really taking advantage of that technology. Now you go to your realtor and they're like, hey, do you want to do a virtual walkthrough of your house? And somebody has scanned that thing and you can do it. I was doing that, but I was doing it about eight years ahead of the curve. So that, that business unfortunately collapsed, but the primary consumer of geographic information is either the government or oil and gas companies. And when you work for any of those, you need to build a safety system. And so I had this other training that went along with it. So now I've been Tyler, the performer and the actor. Now I'm Tyler Foley, the entrepreneur and mapper. And then I have this little safety component and a friend of mine said, you know, You have the right personality and the right knowledge and understanding to be a really good safety professional. Uh, If I I need a safety manager right now, if I paid to upgrade your skill set, because you've already taken these courses, you had to, to build your program. Uh, If you take these other ones and I pay for it, uh, would you be interested in becoming my safety manager for a year? And I went, sure. You had this big project up in oil and gas. I was familiar with the site and the company from my mapping. And so I said, sure, let's do this thing. And from that evolved this really interesting career that I've built now, where I had started as a safety consultant, uh, analyzing people's programs. And then I had this training component. And my most popular training program was what I originally titled Basic Instructional Technique. And Basic Instructional Technique was to teach people how to speak in public how to find their stories, how to engage their audience. But it was originally designed specifically for construction, supervisors, and middle management. And then what was interesting is everybody started going back and telling their bosses, oh, this is such an amazing program. You have no idea. I've been terrified to speak for years, and it's held me back. And now we've taken this thing, and now I don't mind it. And I got so much positive feedback that I started to get a couple of executives who would come and say, hey, would you – You know, can we take this? Absolutely. Can we? Does it have to have the safety spin? No, because public speaking is public speaking. And next thing I knew, basic instructional technique transferred into the power to speak naked, which became the number one best selling book, which has really propelled me forward. So to answer the last part of that question, why do I do it? It is because I see the transformation every day. I have the joy and the privilege. I'll be teaching this workshop tomorrow morning to uh, an association. They sought me out, brought me in, and they deliver very technical um, presentations. And they're like, they're always so dry and boring. How do we make them better? I'm like, by telling your story, how does this relate to you? So seeing that click and that understanding, particularly when I'm doing it with the safety professionals because that actually has the ability to save lives. If they're able to translate this information in, in a powerful and understanding way, people then retain it better and make better decisions when it comes to their own health and safety. And that, and that ultimately can uh, save a life. And that, so that's why I keep doing this.
1: Yeah. Well, <clears throat> great story in and of itself. Ironically here, we're talking about storytelling, but uh, no, it, it, that's quite a journey. and. You know, on one hand, I was thinking in my mind that, uh, you know, your your journey through all those different threads and areas, when you now stand back and look, there, there's actually a pretty interesting arc there that kind of connects all the dots, even though in the moment, you probably never thought that any of that, how do you go Six from six-year-old acting me. to
0: mapping, you know? Yeah. And, six-year-old me looking forward would have never thought it. It seemed so circuitous to get to where I am now. But looking back, like you said, it's a straight line. There are mile markers everywhere that pointed to this is what I would be doing right now.
1: Yeah. And I I just want to asterisk and bracket that as a message to the audience here. You know, uh, uh, we're going to get back to the main theme of this show, but I I think it's such a great teaching point there. If, if if you're struggling with any kind of season of doubt in your life right now or with your business, take, take a minute and go down that path of, of your journey to what you've been able to experience and accomplish and do your own work of kind of connecting the dots and see if there's not, in fact, a prevalent theme that could be a very good indicator of what an ultimate purpose is in what you're doing, and uh, as those who have worked with me know, I'm I'm keen on helping people reconnect or identify a purpose that they maybe never had, and um, thinking about you know why you do what you do. And back to the main question of the day here: storytelling is such a, a popular theme for emerging business leaders, they they do feel, and maybe it's something as simple as, I don't like public speaking, I, I don't wanna stand on the podium and have to do a town hall with my large team, but it, there's even more to it than that in my mind. So it's, it's, it's beyond just being able to take the stage, it's, it's, it's owning the stage and having something of substance to share.
0: Yes. Well, and it's interesting because we will be discussing storytelling and what you just described is one of the fastest ways to discover your story is looking back and analyzing how did I get here? What were those, um, you know, pushes, you know, where the universe kind of guided me? Uh, Tony Robbins says it better than anybody else. You know, life happens for you, not to you. And, and I think when we can adopt that mindset and really understand that, you know, when we are in our periods of doubt, or when we are in uh, feeling turmoil within our lives, that something pushed and guided you, Break right down to the fact that I even got to be on stage at six years old was a result of my father passing away that year, and my mother looking for an outlet for me, because at six, I was having a hard time processing the finality of death, or even what that means, I, I would challenge any six year old to have a full concept of the finality uh, of mortality, and so I had done a couple of plays, school plays. So I was in the Christmas nativity, and then we did an Easter play. And my teacher, Mrs. Nielsen, encouraged my mom. She said, "Listen, this is if there are opportunities for Tyler to explore this, I think this would be a good good outlet for him," and then. Literally weeks after having that conversation with my mom, uh, my uncle, who worked for the city of uh, for the uh, for the city of Calgary in their mapping department of all things, hey, runs in my family. um, He is a perennial bachelor, and he uh, his idea of cooking is picking up the phone and dialing his favorite restaurant kind of deal. And so he would always dine out. And he was at across the street from city hall. And that's where our main arts complex is. And he was grabbing his lunch and overheard the casting director for the main theater company there complaining about how hard is it to find a tiny Tim. You know, how hard is it to find a little boy who can say four words was kind of her deal. <laughs> and he's like, well, how small does this person need to be? Cause I have a six year old nephew who." you would very easily could, could do that. And she said, great, here's the number. Cause we are struggling. And so he passed that along to my mom and my mom went, Oh, great. So it got me out of the house. It got me exploring. It was one of the best gifts that I ever received, but that was a direct, literally a direct result of my father passing away in a single vehicle, motor vehicle accident. So all those things connect.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, having the good fortune of of the uncle who was paying attention and had his ears opened and had obviously listened
0: to what your mom shared. Well, that was the interesting thing. He didn't know that she had heard that. Oh, okay. He had overheard them and just saying, well, you know, I, I, ha- I know a small boy. And <laughs> passing that along to my mom who went. Judy had just talked to me about finding these opportunities and not knowing how to do it. Like my mom had no idea where she would go to explore this. My uncle had no idea that she'd had this conversation. And yet here they all happen within weeks of each other.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, Tyler, you, you had a reference in your material that you shared with me. You've got a quick kind of exercise to kind of frame up the idea of... I, I guess, starting with a good story or, or crafting a good story. Uh, tell me, tell me more about what that is.
0: So it, you had alluded to it um, before we would even brought it up to discuss it, that, you know, we need to look back on those mile markers within our life, because those are usually the structure of what has brought us to where we are. And in those, there are always lessons, So one of the things that I would love for you and and our audience to do today is if they can, if they have to hit pause, um, but grab a pen and paper and we're going to do a quick two minute exercise. And it's going to involve a little bit of math, but I promise you it's not hard math. So the first thing I want you to do once you've gotten your pen and paper, because we do want to write some stuff down, I would love it if you could take your age, however old you are, And round to the nearest five. And once you've done that, you have that number. I want you to take that number and divide by five. And this will give us five even time periods in our life. So for me, if I was to do this, I'm 43, I'm about to be 44. So I would be rounding up to 45, dividing by five, and it will give me five even time periods of nine years each. Now, I know. Doug, that there are going to be some, particularly when you're entrepreneurial driven and you're an A-type, who are like, but that is not exact, Tyler. I wish to have exact numbers. And if you are one of those people, and I appreciate that because I am one of those people too. If you have had to round up, I want you to deduct whatever that number you rounded up by. It's it was either one or two, it wasn't more than that, from your last time period. And if you had to round down. I want you to add that number. And again, it was either one or two to your first time period. And the reason for this is we probably don't remember a lot that happened in those first year to two years of our life. So those memories are going to be hazy. They may be significant, but will give us a little bit of buffer in that first year, if you need to be exact. And we know what's happened in the last epoch of our life. So that's probably the most fresh. So we don't need the full time period to explore that. So if you're an A-type and you need to be exact with your numbers, add what you rounded to the beginning or deduct what you rounded from the end, depending on which way you had to go. So when I do this exercise, I get my perfect time periods. And so from zero to nine, i and then 10 to 18, and then 19 to 27, etc. cetera. Whatever your number is, whatever you've gotten to, I want you to look at those time periods. And I want you to ask this question. When you look at your first time period for me, zero to nine, what is the most significant memory that comes to your mind? Like, the, What's the first one? When you think of you, In that time period, what is the first one that springs to mind? Not the second, third, or fourth, the first one. And I want you to write that down. You only have 20 seconds for this. Do not dwell on this. It needs to be the instinctual thing that draws to you. When you think of you in your first time period, what is your most significant? What is your most prevalent memory? Write it down. And then do it for the second time period. Do it for the third. Do it for the fourth. And do it for the fifth. Once that is done, Then the real exploration comes. So for me, when I do this exercise, the first thing that I can think of is, and I have two very distinct memories. So if you have, don't be afraid to explore this, but I do want to focus on one first because the work goes hard. But I do have two very distinct ones. The first one is the sound of applause. The first time I ever got a standing ovation. So it's an auditory one that comes and I hear it and I can, I can go right back to that moment. And then along with it comes a feeling of, of warmth that radiates from my chest and it's pride and it's joy and it's elation and all of that comes from my chest and I can, feel, I can feel the sensation of it again. And this is a key thing for your audience to remember that your memory doesn't have to be like this vivid moving picture. It could be a sound, it could be a smell, it could be a color, it could be a feeling, it could be a vivid picture, or it could be a hazy remembrance, but it's the thing that comes to your mind first. So we write each one of those down. And for me, like I said, my first one is that sound of applause. And if I really want to get uh, heavy, the next one that I have is literally two months to the day. And it's the sound that my mom made when a uh, police officer and our family physician came to the back door to tell her that my father would never be coming home again. And she made this guttural, spine-tingling, universe-collapsing sound. It was this wail that was just animalistic, and it just it, it haunts me to this day. And when I look back on both of those, and this is, again, where the exploration comes, we want to start asking why. Why are those memories significant? For me, my memories very intrinsically influenced every decision for the rest of my life that brought me to here right now. Because in one moment, I discovered a sound that I will, and a feeling that I will chase for my entire life, trying to replicate, trying to feel again. Because it's pure joy and pure elation. And the other, I have discovered a sound that I never want to hear again. And I have spent my life avoiding and pushing away. And there is no wonder that I have gotten into safety as a profession because it allows me to speak publicly, receive that adulation, receive that joy of i giving a presentation where I can receive applause and I can receive a standing ovation, which is the ultimate gift that any human can give another, by the way, in my opinion, uh, to receive that, um, that admiration from uh, an audience is just is second to none. And then an, a sound that I have avoided and want to help others avoid for the rest of their lives. So that is, that is the beginning of the exercise, Doug. I want your audience to take their age round to the nearest five, divide by five, look at those epochs in their life and ask themselves, what is the most significant memory? And then that homework after they're done listening to our conversation today is to go back and ask yourself, why is that significant? And once you're done exploring the why of it, what are the lessons that you learned? How are these things connected? Who were you prior to each memory? Who were you after each memory? What growth occurred in between each memory? What happened before? What happened after? What lessons can you draw from this? And how can you apply those to your life now? And that is where you start to form some very powerful stories that you can use in business, you can use in life, you can use these are universal, you can use them anywhere.
1: I love that. I think that's a very tangible exercise, and it's it, you know it eliminates a lot of the just the grayness of how some people tend to look at their life. You know, um, as Mark Twain famously said, "My life has been a, a series of tragedy, most of which never happened." Well, of course, he's speaking to the mental thing we do with our head, but you're you're talking about the actual. <laughs> experiential moments that might have had an impact. And and I love your purposeful question of why. Why do you think that had an impact? What was it that had that register with you and the takeaway you got from it? And I also like the part about explore the learning. You know, when that happened and you contrast the person you were before and the person you are After that moment, you know, what was the learning from it? What did you take away? What did you uh, value that you maybe have allowed to become part of your, the patchwork quilt that we all are?
0: Yeah. Well, and, you know, you can't come on a show called Leadership powered by common sense and not give some common sense advice. And I think that's the important thing too, is that we, we oftentimes try to complicate things. And it can be very simplistic, particularly with this exercise and, and, and seeing and connecting those dots. Because I can tell you right now, I've done this exercise and I, I have to continually do this exercise for me. A, I'm as I grow, I start to see more nuance in my life, right? It's like going back and revisiting an old film. And then discovering a hidden element within it. You're like, oh, I didn't notice that in that scene before. And now all of a sudden it takes on new context and it takes on uh, new meaning to you. So it's important to go back. But for me, like when I, I you know, I was, was on over 350 podcasts last year. I was on over 30 stages uh, presenting and it still always makes me smile when I'm waiting in the green room, whether virtual or live, when somebody reads my bio or introduces me, because I, <laughs> I have led my life. So for me, it's, it is, it's just who I am. And I'm like, I don't think I have an exciting life until somebody goes, you know, child performer started on stage at six years old, uh, you know, uh, had suffered a medical incident that left the left side of his body paralyzed at 17, overcame that to, you know, go on to do stunt work in film and television, was in Carrie, Door to Door, Ragtime, Freddie versus Jason, is now the number one best-selling author of the power to speak naked, proud father of a seven-year-old genius. You know, like all of these things make me go, I did that. I did that. But to me, they're 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 just things that I did. They were just part of my life. That, that was, that is just life. And I often equate it. And, and most people I'll see if they can relate to this. If you're thinking to yourself right now, if you're the listener and you're like, yeah, but Tyler, you did some really cool things. I have not done those cool things. I wasn't in film and television. I wasn't on stage. I have never published a book. And by the way, that's an easy thing to do. you should, I'm going to encourage your audience right now. If it's, if it's in your head, publish a book, it's best, best gift you can give yourself. Um, But I equate it very much to uh, being in a hot tub, right? When you first get into your hot tub and life is new, you're young, you're five, six, seven years old, you get into that water and you're like, oh, it's hot, it's hot. Everything is sensory and it's exciting. But then as you sit in that tub, your body acclimatizes to it and you don't feel the warm water anymore. And it's not until you step outside of the tub that you go, oh, It is cold out here and you hop back in the tub and you're like, oh, now I can feel the warmth. And that's kind of what this exercise does for you. It forces you to get out of the water for a moment and look back and do a little bit of a sensory shock. And then tying those things together, finding those common threads, that becomes the real joy with it. Because then you can relate these stories Outside. it's Les Brown says it better than anybody else. Never tell a story without a point and never make a point without a story. So as you explore these stories, that's why I want you to discover those whys and figure out those lessons in there, because that's how you apply it when you start to tell it.
1: Yeah. I think you're spot on. The whole idea of evaluating the opportunities and experiences you had it it is a very common humanistic view to say, well, I look at my list here, I don't think it's all that special. But when you stack it up and allow it to be compared to others, it is special, it is going to be. And um, in some work I used to do in career coaching, one of the tools we used, we had people do a similar exercise, we didn't arithmetically divided up, but we encourage people to build a list of accomplishments along the way. Things that they had an opportunity to do, maybe it was a task, maybe it was a project, maybe it was a job, you know, whatever but build this list of accomplishments, and then more importantly, go back to the list and start sort of grading, put pluses and minuses, you know. This accomplishment was really spectacular. I really felt fulfilled. I thought it was awesome. I I wish I could do this all day long, you know, that kind of grading idea. And then other things, they were accomplishments at the time, but you're going to look at yourself and say, yeah. it was nice. I'm glad I did it. It was a good experience, but I don't ever want to do that again. Like, to use your example, you don't ever want to hear a sound like your mom, you know, screeched that day. But we all have those accomplishments, too. But the interesting point is, and when I first started teaching this many, many years ago, Tiger Wood was at the peak of his golf career. He could do no wrong and, you know, was winning everything. And I used to say, "Well, when Tiger hits a three hundred and forty yard drive, that to me would be an accomplishment just to hit it that far. I don't care where it landed it's just to be able to hit it out there that far. I would count that as an accomplishment. I'll deal with the consequences later of where it landed. him, if he missed his spot by a foot or two, he's not happy and so it's that whole that's it's that view of that accomplishment that we all hear. So if to the point, if 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 we could ask Tiger, how did you what'd you think about that 340 foot drive? He wasn't happy that it was that long. He was upset that it might be might have missed the spot by a foot or two. Yeah. Me on the other hand, Doug, what'd you think about hitting that 340 yard drive? It's oh my god, personal best. I've never hit a ball that far. You know that's awesome. I'm so happy. You know, da da
0: da. Oh, yeah, I regularly crush my driver 185. <laughs> I'm
1: there with my, you, brother. <laughs>
0: yeah, my driver and my three iron are the exact same distance. The <laughs> difference being the three iron is significantly more accurate. So. Yeah, exactly,
1: exactly. And uh, But the point is, as we look at our ability to list accomplishments, we may be looking at them thinking they weren't all that special, but... Compared to anybody else's standard, they are. And you you ought to take pride in them.
0: Well, and the other thing is, too, is we've got to be careful of that hidden trap of comparison. Right? I am, a, by all measures and metrics, a very accomplished and good orator and public speaker. The danger comes when I start saying, well, yeah, but I'm not Les Brown. You know, but I'm not Tony Robbins. But I'm not Brian Tracy. But I'm not. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. But none of them are me either. So doing, uh, recognizing where your strengths are and what you're doing to the best of your ability is very, very important. And again, too, like, you know, I, I was a child actor, but I'm, I'm not Macaulay Culkin. And I'm certainly not, you know, any of these other uh, famous child actors that ha- have grown up through the years and have all had their own different experiences too. and and have experienced the industry in different ways. So what makes you unique, what makes your story unique, is that you were the one to experience it. And that's why your story is such a powerful tool in your marketing, in your business, in your life in general, because no one else is the expert or authority on your life than you are. An autobiographer will always have a better view of the life than a biographer will. And I bet like, even if you uh, listen back to the episode you recorded with Pamela Wilson, when she was talking about marketing, I, some of what she alluded to was finding that, that, you know, personalizing that experience, what makes you stand apart. And that's, that's where you highlight it. Like what makes me a good safety professional, ironically, is my performance background. Because most of what I learned from safety, I actually learn doing stunt work in film and television. And that sets me apart. Interestingly, for probably a good decade, I tried to hide that off of my resume. You know, there was this big gap that was unexplained. And I tried, you know, because I'd work all actors work side jobs. And I was lucky as uh, when I was performing that I didn't actually have to. Very few unionized actors earn a living wage over a year. And I did. I actually did a really good job. Um, I was I was in demand and I was working a lot in, in my early 20s, but I still had side gigs. So I would make those side gigs seem longer on my resume <laughs> so that I didn't have to talk about my acting. And as I tried, the more I tried to suppress it, I found the more clients I was losing, or I I remember once uh, doing a large job being contracted out to do this, uh, large audit. And the company that contracted me was very specific up front. They're like, do not talk about your acting. We don't want to know. We do not do it. It's, it's unprofessional. You cannot mention it. And so I was like super tight lipped and, uh, a couple of the people found out, they, they looked me up. I don't know. I can't remember why they Googled. And they're like, you were an actor. And I was like, I'm not allowed to talk about it. And they're like, why? I'm like, they don't want me to talk about it. They're like, but we want to know more. And it was in that moment that I decided, you know what? Why am I suppressing this? Everybody always wants to know, how are you able to give such good presentations? Everybody always wants to know why I have my view on safety that I do, why I process the way that I do. All of it's from my film and television. So, the more I was hiding it, the more business I was losing. The instant I came out and said, Former stunt professional, Hollywood stunt professional will come and analyze your safety system with the eye of a stuntman. My business exploded. And yeah. it was embracing that part of me that was so important. You know, do you want to have the best uh, safety training that you've ever had? You know, most people think of safety training as a lobotomy. So let's have a trained actor come in and deliver your next safety training or safety talk and keynote presentation. All of a sudden, the phone went off the hook. I have never been busier than when I embraced this part of me. And so, for everybody, you know, it's one of the things that I teach in all of my seminars the thing you're afraid to say is what your audience is likely needs to hear. And the more you can find that bravery within yourself to discuss those parts, that's when you start to find your real audience that's when you that's when your business can take off you know the marketing becomes so easy when all you're having to do is tell the truth
1: (laughs) yeah i i I can definitely relate to that i you know i I alluded to the career coaching organization i created in 2008 and of course that was right in the very middle of the big crash that had happened but one of one element that was my personal story, because of the crash, I had to close a company and and file a, a, a corporate bankruptcy, and that was the first time in my life I'd ever had to do something like that. There was a piece of me that was embarrassed by that, even though, I mean, nobody f- f- was surprised um, I my business that I had to close happened to be related to the mortgage finance world and you know that was the epicenter of the crash. and my company was collateral damage to the whole thing. We were a lesser player, but nonetheless, we were relying on that industry to do our work. and I had 200 national, <clears throat> excuse me 200 national clients and in 45 days I lost 75% of my business by those others going down and going under and and i i kind of carried that with me for a brief season and then finally one day at one of our workshops in the in the career transition organization we were we were doing some things and i just i felt compelled that i can't hide behind this anymore i just i know people are out here struggling financially because they lost jobs and their savings have run out and they don't know what they're going to do next so I shared that I, too, had lost a whole company and, you know, had, had to file that bankruptcy. And people were going, what? Really? Oh, my God. You know, and then all of a sudden, it was this whole, it was really a, a, a pivotal culture shift. Yeah. I wasn't just some pundit up there making them feel bad that they weren't all that. You know, now I was I was one of them in a big way.
0: Yeah. I I always like to equate it to – and for some people, you'll have to think back a a ways, and I'm there with you. I appreciate that. But back in high school when, you know, you were writing exams and the teacher made a mistake, you know, and so they'd given questions. It was multiple choice, and you had A, B, C, or D, and maybe it was a math question, right? Two times three is six. And the options that you had, A, B, C, and D, were three, four, five, and seven. (laughs) And everybody was doing two times three and going, I think it's six. Am I missing something? Am I with where it was supposed to be a plus? What it what how what's going on? And everybody's quiet and nobody's doing anything until over in the corner, Doug raises his hand and goes, Mr. Foley, um, on question 17 here. Uh, two times three i keep doing it and i'm i'm not getting the answer was this supposed to be two times three or is it two plus three because i can do two plus three there's a five here but i can't find the answer for two times three and then mr foley looks down he goes oh i'm sorry class i made a mistake uh yeah no for that one either circle five or write in six, either way, it's going to, I'll take it out. You know, this, this exam will be out of 19 instead of 20. I made the mistake. It's a, it's a bonus one for anybody. If you just want to circle this one. And then what happened when, after you said that, Doug, everybody goes, Oh yeah. I was struggling with that too. I didn't know. I thought I was going crazy. Oh, I'm so glad you said something. It's the person who speaks up first. That's viewed as the leader right? And it's okay to say, I don't know, or I failed. I have no problem telling people that my mapping business failed. It failed for multiple reasons, some of them outside of my control, some of them within my control. Either way, it didn't work. But what I did from that is learn a whole bunch of lessons about getting the right director's insurance in place, doing a proper market analysis, making sure that your pricing is on point. And if your pricing can't support your business model or the equipment that is needed for it, don't do that thing. (laughs) And like, I learned a lot, a lot from it. And now I run a very successful company that is a parent company to five very successful entities. But I had to go through the failure to learn it. So there is nothing wrong. And when you speak up, when you say, this is who I was, when you can, particularly when you can tie it back to your story, that's when you can start to really, be that leader, whether you are officially titled a leader or not, leadership right. doesn't come with a title. Leadership comes with an attitude.
1: Absolutely. Very well spoken and and very much uh, something that I believe in and, and challenge all of my listeners and prospective clients to consider that You're right. Leadership is not about the title, but it is about the opportunity and and the difference you can make in a situation, whether it's at work, at home, in the community, wherever. And um, I'm tempted to step up on my soapbox that I do periodically on this show. And a simple statement, the world needs leaders. We're, We're suffering a leadership crisis at many, many levels of government. State and local, and even in business and industry, and uh, those who are willing to step up and be that guy to raise their hand and go, "Uh, boss, I' sorry, but that that just doesn't compute." And yes, you might get pushback from the boss, uh, but hopefully, those who know better will will stand with you. And I, I know that's true in the safety realm. I've been exposed to a lot of that in the oil and gas industry that's so prevalent down here where i live and safety and health and environmental are such big events and they all kind of co-mesh and impact one another so the training and the the sensitivity to that is premium
0: yeah well and that's that really was the nexus of the power to speak naked when i started the program and uh, when it was originally titled basic instructional technique because I wanted people to be able to connect with their stories because nothing impacts better than a story right and for me it was important for people to find the courage to talk about that even for myself like I you know I, my father his motor vehicle accident came as a direct result of uh, Uh, poor journey management and fatigue management. It was a direct result of of a work environment that he had created, ironically. My father was an entrepreneur. Originally, he was a teacher um, and uh, an excellent and well-respected educator, but he took a sabbatical for a year to start a restaurant. And in starting that restaurant, he was working 18, 20, 24-hour days And the commute at the time, he was, the restaurant was in downtown Calgary. We lived in a rural farming community uh, at the time, would have been an hour and a bit south. And, you know, he fell asleep at the wheel and hit uh, an old World War II munitions bunker. Literally the only structure in a farmer's field for miles. And he managed to clock this thing square on in a 1983 uh, Chrysler K car and, uh, K car lost because that munitions bunker had a wall that was four feet tall and three feet thick of, of reinforced concrete. And, you know, so being again, these are those things that when I look back, I'm like, of course I got into safety, of course, because I can see the, those connections now with the lens that I have. And it's important to me, that that people understand that. So when I share th- those stories, you know, this is what happened to me at a young age. My father passed away when I was in my mid 20s. I witnessed a horrific, absolutely horrific industrial accident working for an airline. I watched a man liquefy himself through an airplane propeller. And when I tell that story, you know, it's hard for me to tell. I still have PTSD from it. You know, there, there are nights where I wake up in cold sweats because I can still picture this man's boot lying at the body because that was all that was left of him. It was a single steel-toed boot. The rest of them just went through and sprayed across the side fuselage of an aircraft. And that has impact. You, tell, you, can't, you can't tell those stories and not have impact. You can't bring that up and not have people go, <gasps> I mean, you feel the air leave the room, yeah. <laughs> right? Like, it's like, oh snap, but it's important to me because why do I do these things? Because I can, I see the results when things aren't followed. So for me, structure is important. Training is important. You know, this is an airline. They don't like having things go wrong. They are heavily regulated. Uh, what doesn't matter where in the world you're, you're finding your airline, but you know, six weeks of training that for this ramp staff that, that went in and yet still new hire right so it, like all those things that we talk on safety like the, the training new hire competency evaluations checks all of these things it was a, a perfect storm uh, that led to this uh, unfortunate incident and, and and now a man is is gone and, yep. and yep. so I, it's sharing these things why are they important to you you know what were the details when i share that story i get into a lot more of the of the detail because i find it important but it's connecting those. And again, back to what Les Brown said, never tell a story without a point, never make a point without a story. You need to be able to connect this to your audience. Why are you telling it? If there is no reason for telling it, then don't tell it. If there is a reason for telling it, they need to be able to connect the dots at the end. And it's your job to connect it for them.
1: I think that's a great word. And on that Tyler, I think we need to wrap this up as much as I'd like to carry it on. We might need to do a second episode here, (laughs) but uh, this is great stuff. And and thank you for the work you've done and and your effort to connect the dots to to create that value out there in the world. But um, tell everybody the best way to get a hold of you if they're interested in learning more.
0: Well, the best way, Doug, is probably to check the show notes and we'll have links in there. So my request, my humble request of your audience right now, Doug, if they are regularly listening to leadership powered by common sense, and if they are consuming this, right, maybe they listen to what Joanna White had to say, you know, and, and they're thinking to themselves, you know, how do I overcome the could have been of tragedy or what, what does that mean for me? Could I tell that story better? Or, you know, there are maybe they're, cons- they listened to one of your other episodes. Why, why are they coming back? That's my first question for your audience. What about leadership powered by common sense? And what about Doug? Uh, are you enjoying? So as you scroll down to come and find my Link in the show notes, you're going to see a little graphic that has five stars on it and a little box that says comments. They are not there for ornamentation. If you, as an audience member right now listening to this show, if you are a regular consumer of leadership powered by common sense, if you like what Doug's bringing, if you are enjoying the guests that come on, could you give him a five star review and write in the comment why? Don't skip the comment part. The comment part is important. And here's why. If you tell Doug, the guests that you enjoy, he can go and book more of them. If he books more guests that you enjoy, you get more knowledge that you can use. Doug can build his platform larger because now he's serving an audience consistently the way that they want to be conserved, that being you. And It helps me because if Doug's show gets more popular, there's more views of the show that we just recorded, which means I get more exposure. So if you could do all of us a favor, and leave doug a five-star review and be specific in the comments why what are you enjoying what was your favorite episode what was your favorite takeaway what do you like about what doug's doing what would you like to see more of in the future be specific in that review because that will help him grow this platform which helps everybody it serves you by getting more content to you it serves him by helping him grow a show and it serves me by getting more eyeballs onto this episode if you're willing to do that and give doug a five-star review and be specific in the comments if you come to my website, which is seantylerfoley.com, and Sean is spelled the proper Irish way, S-E-A-N-T-Y-L-E-R-F-O-L-E-Y, and say Tyler sent you, right above the fold, the first thing you're going to see is an invitation to join my private Facebook group called Endless Stages. If you join through the website as a gift to you, we will give you a free PDF download of my number one bestselling book, The Power to Speak Naked. We'll give you access to my Drop the Mic Trainer series, which is uh, seven five-minute videos. So in a week, you can consume this material over a cup of coffee. So it's not a big investment, but they're very actionable steps, very similar to what we did at the beginning of this episode. They are all very quick, very actionable steps that will make you a more confident, more powerful, more believable speaker. So you get that for free, plus you get access to the um, Endless Stages community, where I go live every Tuesday at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern time, and give a 20-minute training presentation on whatever happens to be the hot topic of the week. And we pull that from the membership. So the more engaged our membership is, the more it's likely to serve you. All of those are my gift to you if you are willing to leave Doug a five-star review. No five-star review, no free gifts for you (laughs) well that's
1: great tyler thank you so much i um i I really and and you you've taken a lot of my thunder here at the end which i'm glad to give up and and give to you um so we, we do appreciate those comments and and he he said something very specifically that is very important to me your comments and your messaging back to us help us guide, build, and direct the future episodes of this show. So if there is a topic, a theme, or a particular guest you liked, you know, if you watch an episode and you say, I really like to know more from that person, well, let me know. Because I I do have the good fortune of having great relationships with my guests, and I'm in constant contact with all of them. So uh, we can always arrange that sort of thing. But it is a matter of knowing for sure what you're liking and what's working for you give us that feedback give us that comment and if you know someone or you sell you yourself might be a good guest volunteer raise your hand let me know there's links on my website to fill in a short little survey form if you want to be a guest i'll certainly entertain that but um, anyway thanks again tyler for all your help and great message here and uh Hope to see you again real soon.
0: (laughs) Thank you for having me, Doug.
1: And folks, with that, we are going to put a bow on this one, wrap it up, say goodbye, wish you the best. And uh, one last little caveat. I want to remind everybody, if you're listening on audio, we do have a YouTube channel with the video version of this. Hop over there, same name, Leadership Powered by Common Sense. Enjoy the videos, and you can leave your comments there as well. But again, for now, we're going to say goodbye. Take care. Thanks for spending some time with us.
0: You've been listening to Leadership Powered by Common Sense, hosted by Doug Thorpe. If you would like to know more about the coaching and advisory services he provides, visit DougThorpe.com.